Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. It's time now for a smart plane talk regarding politics, Israel, and the law. This is the Victory Hour with Andrew Parker of Parker Daniels Keyboard. Wise counsel, winning results. Now, here's your host, Andrew Parker. I'm impressed with my attorney, Bernie. I'm impressed with his influential friends. He's got very big connections. It's Sunday, 4 o'clock. And what does that mean? Well, sometimes it means the beginning of a new year. But every week it means the best hour in radio of the week. It is the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. And thank you once again for joining us this fine Sunday, this fresh New Year Sunday, and a Happy New Year to all of you, as uh, opportunity abound. That's what it is today, enormous opportunity, as we think about uh, the new year. Now, for Jews, it's not the... New Year for the Jewish calendar, but in the secular world, it is a new year. Again, not all of the world, but much of it. And here in the United States, we celebrate what was this past year and what we have to look forward to this coming year. So we will be doing that, certainly, on the show today. But each week we talk politics, Israel, and the law, and we're not going to miss out on that opportunity this week. We're going to talk politics, Israeli politics, as well as talking about Israel and big news this week as Benjamin Netanyahu established the coalition government, which was voted into their leadership role by the Knesset, the parliament, this week in the Jewish state of Israel. We're going to talk about the coalition. If you follow such things, you probably have read a lot about folks wringing their hands over this new coalition, very worried about it. Why? Well, because it's a conservative coalition, and of course, When conservatives come into government, people, at least in the media, worry. They worry a lot. Uh, Screaming and hollering, they worry a lot. So we're going to talk about that and fact and fiction, myth versus reality. 
and what we might come to really expect out of the new government uh, in Israel. We're also going to talk about the law. So not just politics in Israel, but uh, in fact, I want to open talking about the law and what we might expect in the coming year in the law, 2023, from the U.S. Supreme Court. They've got a number of very important decisions coming down, and as we look back over the year we just finished, it was perhaps one of the most watershed years of Supreme Court precedent and decisions in our lifetime. Uh, Really remarkable decisions coming down from the Supreme Court, agree or disagree with them. And I want to talk a little bit about the court and about some of the decisions we're going going to be looking at. And then we certainly will get to our New Year's resolutions and talk about the opportunity abound that we have uh, here today, the first year or first day of our new year. <clears throat> Follow us uh, coming up this month. We're going to have a number of uh, great guests on the Victory Hour, as we always do. So make sure. Uh, to follow. It looks like Michelle Fishbach, Congresswoman from the 7th District here in Minnesota, has had to push our scheduled date from this month to February, but she will be uh, on the show in February. I hope to have Alan Dershowitz on the show in uh, January, along with Congressman Brad Finstead from the 1st Congressional District here in Minnesota. And we might, we might try to get uh, <clears throat> Mike Freeman. I, I think I want to have Mike Freeman on the show if he will join us. <clears throat> As uh, you may know, Mike Freeman and I uh, were partners at a law firm back in the 90s, uh, the early 90s, uh, and, mid, uh, and, and mid-90s, and mid and Poppenhake, Schnobrick, and Kaufman. Mike was one of the first lawyers who I worked with. He taught me uh, a great deal. Uh, he was a, really, a, a good trial lawyer. And one of the first cases that I worked on that went to trial was a case in which Mike Freeman was uh, the lead trial lawyer. He has been Hennepin County attorney, serving for 24 years in two separate stints or terms. Um. And he will be leaving office January 3. Uh, He, uh, as Hennepin County attorney, 
oversaw big changes in attitudes, if nothing else, in the law and in prosecution. And we thank him for his service. Uh, Mike Freeman. I'm going to try to have him on the show uh, coming up later this month. So let's turn to the Supreme Court as we look at this coming year. First, the previous year was an exciting year for lawyers to, uh, in theory, to look at decisions by the U.S. Supreme Court and other courts, circuit courts of appeal, in the United States as the law is going through significant and real change. And it has caused interesting divides on the nine-member U.S. Supreme Court. It has been reported that the court is simply not getting along as well as it used to, and things are getting personal like they potentially, you know, may, may well have never been in, in, uh, with such vitriol. And it is starting to spill over into the public square. Some of these tensions have been driven by liberal members of the court who are angered by the fact that they believe conservative members somehow are applying their political views rather than legal theory and interpretation of the Constitution. But the uh, conservative justices, those who identified as such, object to that entirely and say the exact opposite, frankly, that in fact they are applying the constitutional uh, uh, foundations that they came to the court to apply and not their political views. So Justice Kagan, who often ends up in the dissent, has taken a kind of a personal indignant tone toward the end of 2022 in some of her her public comments. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this short break. And we're going to talk about the response from the Chief Justice and some of the other justices on the court at these attacks, one justice toward another. Usually they don't use names, but they are responding to comments made by someone not long ago, and it's pretty obvious who they are. So a little infighting. We'll talk more about some of the cases coming down the line in the Supreme Court, as well as what's going on in Israel, and then some New Year's resolutions. Stay with us on the Victory Hour this wonderful New Year's Sunday, first day of 2020. 23. We'll be right back after this short break. And while we're on break, go to parkerdk.com. That's right. Award-winning website, many say, about Parker Daniels' keyboard. parkerdk.com. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
back. It's the Victory Hour. I'm Andrew Parker. And thank you once again for joining us on this special edition of the Victory Hour, the New New Year's Eve, no, New Year's Day edition of the Victory Hour. First day of 2023. We were talking on the other side of the break about the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court. Do these folks get along? Well, it's starting to indicate they don't, as the liberal justices are taking things quite personally in disagreement about the Constitution and constitutional theory and decisions that come down on important issues to the American people from the U.S. Supreme Court, there are disagreements. That's not shocking. That's existed since the beginning of the court, for sure. But apparently, some of the liberal justices on the court, in taking it personally, are now starting to cast aspersions on the remainder of their brethren up there, the conservative justices. Justice Kagan criticized The conservative justices, her conservative colleagues, this was in the summer, for allegedly letting their political views influence their legal conclusions in some of the most highly charged cases. Cases we know of, the Dobbs case, the Roe versus Wade reversal case. It was discussing how those decisions can undermine the court's legitimacy, is what Kagan brought up. And that's what struck a chord with her conservative colleagues, because it wasn't just we disagree. It was your view is not legitimate. And those sorts of discussions, even if there is some sense or belief in that by justices behind closed doors, does not readily spill over into the public square. Well, Justice Kagan spoke openly and publicly about this. Chief Justice Roberts, at a judicial conference in the fall, countered her remarks by calling it a mistake to question the legitimacy of the court over rulings that one disagrees with. And, of course, people could have made that argument for year in, year out. I mean, William Brennan wrote many opinions, liberal opinions, the living, breathing Constitution type of opinions, the opposite type of opinions to William Rehnquist, uh, many, many of them. And there wasn't this attack as Brennan, who some could say applied his political perspective to his decisions, uh, being illegitimate in his view. 
As Justice Roberts went on to say, the legitimacy of the court rests on the fact that it satisfies the requirements of the statute and that the Constitution needs, as John Marshall put it, somebody to say what the law is. So when you're interpreting a statute or the Constitution itself, somebody needs to say what the law is. And the thing about the conservative justices is that they apply legal canons of construction and of application to the word. Now, you may disagree with their belief that, you know, whether they are a traditionalist or whether they are an originalist uh, who believes the words in the Constitution mean what the founders believed them to mean, and they don't change. Clarence Thomas takes this view. You may disagree with that constitutional theory of analysis, and many on the left do, most all on the left do. But that does not make the view necessarily illegitimate or applying political perspectives. It doesn't necessarily make that. And so to attack in that way, when, boy, conservatives used to attack liberal justices that way often, because, again, their constitutional theory is that the Constitution, some of them, is a living, breathing document that changes with the times. Well, what does that mean? Where's your grounding in that? If it changes with the times, it can mean anything, you know, that uh, enough people believe it means because the times have changed. And there is a whole constitutional theory that is grounded in that thought. But the justices are kind of at each other. So Kagan responds days later to the chief justice and seemed to double down saying, quote, I'm not talking about the popularity of particular Supreme Court decisions. What I am talking about is what gives the people in our country a sort of underlying sense that the court is doing its job. When courts become extensions of the political process, she says, when people see them as trying to just impose personal preferences on a society irrespective of the law, that's when there's a problem. Well, but isn't that interesting? I guess it depends on which side of the fence you're sitting. When you look and gaze out over the beautiful heather, Well, it depends on which side of the fence you're seeing. Who is it that is imposing their personal preferences on society, and who is it that is looking at the law and interpreting the law? Did Roe v. Wade look at the Constitution and interpret the Constitution and its language? Or did it apply personal preferences? Now, maybe they were the right ones or not, but to say that that was a constitutionally grounded decision 
many constitutional scholars for the past 50 years have said it was a wrong decision, even those who agree with the outcome, the resulting impact, I should say. So, you know, Justice Kagan says, ah, the other side over here, they're applying their personal preferences. I'm not. And, of course, again, that he made ad infinitum. And the back and forth continued when Justice Alito joined the fray. Remember, he wrote the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade. And he very seldom speaks out. Uh, he did so, though, to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, this past week. He says, it goes without saying that everyone is free to express disagreement with our decisions and to criticize our reasoning as they see fit. But saying or implying that the court is becoming an illegitimate institution or questioning our integrity crosses an important line. And that's true. You can despise justices who are liberal or vice versa, who are conservative. You can disagree with their thinking or their theory, but the institution is such a critical institution. It is the backboard of everything that we have in our society, democracy, freedom, liberty, it's not Congress that makes the law. It's not the executive branch that enforces the law. But in the end, they stand on the sidelines, but in the end, it's the referee. And if you kill the referee, if you get rid of the referee, it's anarchy, it's chaos. And so delegitimizing our court or the integrity of those on our court is da a dangerous game. And it's one I hope uh, we do not embark on as we move forward in 20, into uh, 2023. I want to talk about uh, Israel, and when we come back after this short break, we're going to do that and then move to the resolutions that we are looking for. Resolu you know, how is it that we're going to make the coming year better than the last year? We can slide into it like we do year in, year out. Day in, day out, month in, month out. Or we can really take stock. And I want to do that on the other side of this break and share some of my thoughts as it relates to that. And I want you to be thinking about the same. Because we're going to make the world a better place. 
And when you come back, we're going to start. So stay tuned. Short break. It's not just a drinking party and a hooting and a hollering. It's a much bigger opportunity. We're going to talk about that uh, in a few minutes as we get to the resolutions for the coming year. Uh, First, I want to touch quickly on the Supreme Court, which uh, we uh, I was just talking about. And some of the cases in 2023. There are going to be cases on, uh, on race, very important affirmative action cases will be decided in the coming year. Uh, be watching for those uh, and, and whether or not it'll be the end of affirmative action policies in college ed- admissions. In addition, religious freedom cases are coming before the court, a couple of them. And... Uh, This is going to be very interesting to see how this court grapples with uh, religious uh, freedom issues. It's a case involving a national controversy over religious business owners who refuse service for same-sex weddings. We've, We've seen that in the past, and there was a very narrow decision uh, that was issued back in 2018 involving a Christian baker, Jack Phillips, you probably remember. Uh, and he refused to provide service to bake a wedding cake involving a same-sex marriage. Well, now a decision, a case is coming, and, and it was a very narrowly decided decision in the Phillips case. And so... Um, now, there, that question that has been lingering over the past four uh, years may well get answered as a web designer that puts out personalized wedding uh, websites uh, does not want to be doing her design work for same-sex couples. And the question of LGBTQ rights and religious freedom comes to the fore. Religious freedom has gotten uh, strong protection from this court, and we expect that may continue with this decision. Uh, Those decisions are going to be coming down, as well as a number of voting rights decisions, a couple of them. And important ones. And I think this could have an impact on democracy. The, uh, first, the way congressional lines are drawn. And second, a very interesting case involving whether state Supreme Courts have the right to determine federal uh, well, election law uh, re- regarding uh, 
federal elections, governing federal elections. Of course, the Constitution says legislatures have that right. And the question is, what role Supreme Courts have as it relates to legislatures? You'll recall that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court effectively tried to rewrite what the legislature clearly wrote uh, in adding time to which ballots could be counted. And the question of whether the Pennsylvania Supreme Court had violated the U.S. Constitution by doing so is going to be an interesting one coming up. So, brace yourself for all of those. Uh, I want to talk briefly about Israel and what went on this week, because it it really is historic. Uh, The fifth election in four-plus years uh, in the state of Israel, and finally, a bit of stability. Why? Because uh, conservatives in the state of Israel came out in droves and elected a coalition in the Knesset made up of 64. You need 61 for a majority. 64 doesn't seem like a big majority, but that's a pretty big number uh, in Israel as it's been 61 and or 62 for quite a while, and, and it'll be 64 in the Bibi Netanyahu uh, coalition. He was The coalition now has been formed. He has been elected prime minister, and uh, he has identified 29, 30 uh, cabinet positions, uh, giving uh, a number of staunch, strong conservatives in Israel uh, these cabinet positions. There are only four parties that make up the new government of Israel. It's a fairly small number. Uh, Usually it it amounts to more, uh, or it has in the past. Uh, Likud, which is Netanyahu's party, makes up half of the 64 in the coalition. The other half are made up from three parties. Two of them are the religious parties. Shas and Torah Judaism are the two religious parties. They make up 18 of the remaining 32 seats. And uh, they're Orthodox Jewish parties. Uh, that believe in uh, Israel as a Jewish state. Uh, And then the remaining 14 are made up from the religious Zionism party, uh, led by Bezel Smotrich, as well as Itmar Ben-Gavir. And these two have been written about over the last month since the election, a uh, month or more, uh, since the election uh, around the world as being homophobic, as being bigoted, discriminatory, uh, racist people. And, uh, you know, if you believe what you read in the mainstream media about Israel, you probably don't like Israel very much. Because over the past, well, really since the late 70s, since Jimmy Carter, uh, the media has ignored fact and reality and simply written uh, from one narrative and perspective. I'm talking the mainstream media. 
sources that you already know generally uh, not to believe. Uh, so do we believe them when they write as they do about the hardline government in the state of Israel, the, uh, the racist government, uh, the government that is going to be the death of Palestinians, the death of any chance for peace? Well, they wrote this sort of thing uh, about Menachem Begin years ago. And, of course, he championed peace and brought peace, peace that still stands today. And it was his strength that commandeered peace. And we'll see what Bibi Netanyahu does in his later years now, longest tenured Prime Minister in total number of years, 15 total. He's now going on his third stint. And we'll see what he does with respect to peace and peace accords with Arab neighbors, but also with the Palestinians. With such a hardline government, oh, peace will never be obtained. Really? Let's see. It may, in fact, be what is needed for peace in that neighborhood. When we come back after this short break, we are going to talk New Year's resolutions. I want you to be thinking about them during the very short minutes that we have uh, away from one another. And stay tuned. as we dig a little deeper and think about things from maybe a little bit different perspective than losing 10 pounds or being on time to as many meetings this year as I can. Those are all nice things, important. Health is important. We'll dig a little deeper. Stay with us. Go to parkerdk.com in the meantime. Go to mypillow.com. Offer code VICTORY up to 66% off. Indeed. But most importantly, stay with us. We'll be right back. the Victory Hour. Thank you for joining us every week. I love having you. This week's no different. I hope you had wonderful holiday season. It really is uh, a beautiful time of year. People just seem to have, and, and hopefully this is your experience as well, a bit of more, uh, a bit more cheer toward their fellow. And we should see how long we can keep that going during the year. Because it shouldn't just be when we mark time like a new year is or 
celebrate, whether it be a birthday or celebration of some other wonder. Uh, But we should try to view that wonder each and every day. In that vein, let's talk about what we might want to do during 2023. I've jotted down some resolutions that I really want to focus on, and it it comes from the work that I've done here on the show and some things that I've learned over the past year in recent shows and even back further. I want to focus on connection to God. I want to focus on connection to self and also connection to others by applying some resolutions for the coming year. And those three things are really uh, important in that order. Our connection to a higher power, whatever that might be, and I'm not here to foist one view or another onto anyone, Uh, but what I am here to do is say that a connection to some higher power, to me, is important. It's important for mankind, frankly. It delivers a bit of humility, not just a bit, a lot of humility, to recognize that we do not control all. And there are many people in this world that believe that we do. And I think it's a dangerous perspective. Yes, we should be striving to learn more and to know more, striving for knowledge, scientific knowledge and otherwise. It's part of what we are here to do. Learn the mysteries. But humility is a cornerstone of it all. As we know, we are but dust. One minute you're here, the next you may not be. And a connection to a higher power is a foundation to recognizing not only that we don't know all, But sometimes we don't need to know all. And so every day, in terms of resolutions, during the coming year, we should genuinely have gratitude to that higher power for giving us another day. When we wake up and put our feet on the ground, a big thank you. For this day. And you know. Wouldn't it be great. Because not everybody has this. I kind of do. But not everybody does. You get up in the morning. And you're not only thankful. And you have gratitude. But you have an excitement. A little bit of an excitement. Because every day is is a new birth. It's it's like. What's today going to be? What, What exciting thing. Is going to come my way today. Yeah, I've got a plan for how it might work. I've got things on my schedule or whatever 
that that runs through the hustle and bustle, the hurly burly, as I say, of uh, day in and day out that we experience. But it hardly ever goes the way you expect. Just isn't that interesting? Isn't that just the most interesting about life? And what a great opportunity to get up, get out into it every day. So maybe if we look at it with that excitement and connection to God, that could turn our life around. Even more than ten, losing 10 pounds. Maybe. What about connection to self? Hmm. That's a big one. Integrity. Your personal, your core. What What is it that drives you? Because it isn't the same for everybody. In fact, it's not the same for any two people. Even people that are very much alike and like the same things, etc. It's different. And I'm talking about really connecting to the core of who you are. What makes you tick? What brings you sadness? Anger? What brings you fear? And what brings you joy? You know, and, and uh, sitting and thinking about that, maybe not every day, but you could. Thinking about that and connecting to that, no matter what happens in the outside world, you always have that. No one can take that away from you. And it can be beautiful. So, connecting to it. You know, some people call it, you know, your soul. But it's, it's your gut. It's, it's directly from your creator to who you are. Connecting with yourself and who you really are. Not what the society wants you to be. You know, not uh, you get all these awards and you look like the big, uh, as they say, macharonis, the big macher. Sometimes you are, sometimes no. The wealthiest may be the most miserable. The ones who are the leaders, the head of the pack may not be. The ones who are revered may not be connected to who they are. And often are not happy. We've seen it. We all have. So really getting to the core of that joy. But also understanding what makes you fearful, what makes you angry, what may, the integrity of it. Who are you? Good, bad, ugly, all of it. And connecting to it is... Uh, that's going to be a resolution. You know, I just got to keep working on that. And connection to others. Well, you got to have the first two to get to that third one. And, and the connection to others, I can only say in this political world where we're trying to all come together and create a society together and to live together without killing one another, not an easy thing. But this year... Let's open up, and people have been talking about this, nothing new here. Let's open up and start to listen to those who disagree with you, not just to those who agree. And those who are speaking and giving their opinion, they need to listen too, back at you. 
and let's roll around in, in these differences and let them strengthen us instead of uh, divide us. That can be a resolution. Listen to those you don't agree with. Ask questions. Don't make statements. Ask questions. You'll learn more. Those are my New Year's resolutions. That's what I'm going to really focus on. I think if I do those, it'll be a pretty good year. 2023 coming up. Say so long to 2022. And it's another week in the books. I hope to hear from you or see you next uh, Sunday. Until then, have a great week. He leaves you with these words from Winston Churchill. All the great things are simple, and many can be expressed in a single word. Freedom, justice, honor, duty, mercy, and hope.